Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Today, we are analyzing the possibility that Brock Osweiler might once again become a Denver Bronco. We'll also touch on the unfortunate T.J. Ward release, as well as Kyle Sloter. You are listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to an impromptu episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented by Mile High Huddle. It is time to drop some knowledge. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, Scout Media, CBS Sports Digital. I'm rocking the mic solo today. Will and I's schedules uh, have conflicted a little bit this week, but we will get together on Sunday to react to the Broncos' final 53-man roster and, of course, whatever resolutions come out of the news from Saturday. Now, we have a lot to get to today, but first, I want to say thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. Over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android Kindle, or MP3 player. So you get a 30-day trial, an opportunity to get a free book. Check it out. Listen to it. If you don't like it, you get to cancel and uh, not be charged anything. It's a phenomenal uh, app that I use on a daily basis. We don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages on the books we want to read. Audible makes it possible to do that while you're driving to work or while you're at the gym or while you're doing yard work. So it's also a phenomenal way to support the show, support the sponsors, the advertisers uh, that support Huddle Up, and it allows us to continue to bring you this content on a weekly basis. So go to audibletrial.com forward slash huddle up. As you all know, Huddle Up is here to give you a deep dive on your favorite team, the Denver Broncos. We need your help. We can't grow without you. Each and every week, we ask that you rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher because it helps us grow, helps us reach new listeners, and rise up the iTunes charts. For the next week or two, we are running a contest, basically, where the most unique comment we get, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, on a rating, is going to get a complimentary Mile High Huddle VIP membership. So get to iTunes if you're an Apple user, or go to Stitcher if you're an Android user. Sit down. Pound out a quick review, make it creative, and you could win that complimentary VIP membership. We appreciate it. Follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod and at Mile High Huddle. Also take a second and like Mile High Huddle on Facebook because the regular season, we're on the doorstep, you guys, and the next 17 weeks are going to be crazy, and you're not going to want to miss a single episode. All right, so it's cutdown day, and it's honestly been the most hectic cutdown day in my five-plus years of covering the Denver Broncos. You know, I didn't expect to talk about this as a piece of Broncos news today, but Brock Osweiler was, of course, released by the Browns, as most of you know, and there is a recent report that the Broncos have interest in him. Now, everybody knows you go back in time, Osweiler was a second-round pick of the Broncos in 2012, and he was dubbed to be the future franchise QB. But 
he ended up spending the vast majority of his four years in Denver as Peyton Manning's backup, hardly ever seeing the field until the fateful season of 2015, because we all remember Peyton Manning went down with a plantar fascia injury uh, in week 10 against the Kansas City Chiefs. He had those horrendous picks, and he just didn't belong on the field that day. Osweiler was tapped to go in. They ended up still losing that game, but he went on to start the next seven uh, contests, going 5-2 and two ultimately as a starter. Week 17 rolls around. you got the number one seed on the line. Peyton Manning's healthy enough to at least suit up and be available as the backup. The Broncos' offense goes on against the Chargers to turn the ball over five times, and so Gary Kubiak made that decision, another fateful decision, to bench Osweiler and put in Peyton Manning. And, of course, the Broncos, under Manning's leadership, went on to win that game and secure the number one seed in the AFC, which was crucial because that meant that the Patriots had to travel to Denver for the title game of which the Broncos ended up winning. So, you know, that was ultimately what led to Brock Osweiler hitting the open market the next spring, of course. Broncos had just won the championship, Super Bowl 50, and John Elway, he did work to re-sign Osweiler. He wanted him back on a long-term deal. Peyton Manning had retired. But Osweiler defected. He ended up choosing to sign with Houston. He offered, uh, or he was offered a few extra million guaranteed dollars, but that wasn't the real reason he took the deal to go to Houston. It wasn't about the money. Osweiler was, of course, bitter that he had been benched for Peyton Manning, and this is where you have to start questioning this guy's uh, character and and really his 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 football acumen and just his understanding of the world around him it's like he forgot I mean if you go back to that game against Kansas City where he had to relieve Peyton Manning after that game he stood up there and talked about how this is Peyton's team I don't know how long I'm gonna play maybe I'll start next week against Chicago I don't know but this is Peyton Manning's team I'm just here to you know keep the keep the seat warm keep the ship afloat this is Peyton's team And yet, by the time that seventh start rolled around and he was benched, everything had changed in his mind. It's like he he believed that suddenly he had become either equal to or greater than Peyton Manning, a five-time NFL MVP, a quarterback who had led the Broncos to a record uh, offensive production in 2013. But Peyton Manning, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats, and yet you had Brock Osweiler miffed that he was benched for... Peyton Manning. So it, it, that was when you start to question. I mean, we heard rumblings throughout the the uh, playoff run that Osweiler was not happy. I just, I mean, by the time the the actual free agency rolled around, we really were hearing that there was a good chance, despite the Broncos pursuing him, Osweiler that that whole situation in Week 17 was sticking in his craw, and he was going to choose Houston. Now, you know, fortunately for Osweiler, they offered him more money, so it wasn't quite as an obvious of a snub, but he still chose to go to Houston. And he started for his new team, uh, but found himself in conflict with head coach Bill O'Brien. Meanwhile, Elway drafts Paxton Lynch in the first round. Um, Not long before that, he had traded for Mark Sanchez. Then there was a three-way competition, as we all remember, between Lynch, Sanchez, Simeon, of which Simeon ended up winning, going on to start 14 games in 2016. Now, of course, the Texans went on to win the AFC South. They ended up winning a playoff game under Brock Osweiler. But the antipathy between Osweiler and Houston's head coach could not be resolved. There were reports of blow-ups between the two in meeting rooms, sideline spats. 
And it didn't help, of course, the situation that Osweiler struggled to learn and to acclimate to O'Brien's offense throughout that year. Then what happens? Well, Houston gets bounced out of the playoffs. Time goes on. The season's over. They end up trading Brock Osweiler. Unprecedented move and a second-round pick and a sixth-rounder to Cleveland in exchange for a compensatory fourth-round selection in the 2017 NFL Draft. So in essence... Cleveland was willing to take a chance on Osweiler while paying $16 million for, you know, really a second-round pick, $16 bucks for a number two pick. So when Cleveland's offseason rolled around, he started out as the first-team quarterback, but by the time training camp was in the books, preseason was over, Osweiler had been supplanted by the rookie second-rounder, Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser, excuse me. Didn't... It just didn't make sense to keep Osweiler despite that massive salary. Cleveland's still on the hook for that $16 million. I remind you, they still moved on. They're hoping that someone signs Osweiler and offers him enough money to help alleviate some of that in an offset, but don't hold your breath. So that kind of takes care of the timeline. The Broncos are now in a unique position with Paxton Lynch injured and expected to miss two to four regular season games. We expected the Broncos with that in mind to maybe keep Kyle Sloter around short term to back up Trevor Simeon. He knows the offense, played well in the preseason, but unfortunately Denver waved the slope machine on Saturday. So the reality is the Broncos do need a viable backup. They would prefer it to be a veteran. We know that. So this all leads to the ultimate question. Should the Denver Broncos bring back Brock Osweiler as the backup quarterback to Trevor Simeon. I don't necessarily think this might shock some of you. I don't necessarily think it would be the worst thing in the world because he does have experience in Mike McCoy's system. In 2012, of course, his rookie campaign, McCoy was his coordinator. He didn't obviously start any games, but he did learn the system. And when McCoy left, Adam Gase was promoted to offensive coordinator and built his system on the bones of Mike McCoy's. And that's the the system that Osweiler played in for the next two years until his final season in Denver. Of course, that was the year Gary Kubiak, his first year in Denver, and it was the West Coast system. And that was really, I think, the best Osweiler ever looked as a pro was in Gary Kubiak's system. I have my misgivings. I do have my doubts about how well he would reacclimate to Mike McCoy's system, especially at the 11th hour. Regular season starts in less than two weeks for the Denver Broncos. So you have to wonder, if called upon, would Osweiler really be able to step in and make a difference? But the flip side to that coin is they've moved on beyond and past Kyle Sloter. So that question would apply to any veteran the Broncos would sign at this point. How quick can they acclimate to the system? So, you know, Osweiler, he's heading into his sixth year as a a pro in this league. He does have experience. He's played in some big games. He's won some big games if we... I'll think back to that, uh, I believe it was week 14 match against New England in the snow, overtime. I mean, Osweiler was helped by some big plays elsewhere, but he also played very well in that second half, leading the Broncos to ultimately take the lead late in the fourth quarter and then win in overtime. So, you know, it's it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, but you would have to wonder about the dynamics in the quarterback room at that point moving forward because the last Osweiler was in Denver – Trevor Simeon was a guy coming off his rookie campaign who didn't see a single snap. Now he has basically been dubbed the man in Denver in favor of a first-round pick. What kind of dynamic 
would would exist now between Simeon and Osweiler. There's no reason to believe there's any acrimony between the two of them. But what kind of precedent, what kind of message would the team be sending to the locker room with Brock Osweiler once again back in the orange and blue? And what would it mean for Paxton Lynch? I mean, Lynch is supposed to come back in two to four weeks. I mean, the Broncos have a very high draft investment in Paxton Lynch, as disappointing as he has been in his first two uh, seasons with the Broncos. So you got to wonder just where all those pieces would fit. Would the Broncos end up carrying three quarterbacks throughout the season? Or is Osweiler viewed as strictly a short-term Band-Aid? Because if you do carry three quarterbacks for the season, that means you got to skimp elsewhere. you got to carry one less offensive lineman, or maybe it's one less D lineman, or one less corner, or one less wide receiver, right? So honestly, it's, it's, it's a very questionable situation. Would not, what I wouldn't give to be a fly in the wall right now in those in the room in which the Broncos brass, John Elway, Matt Russell, these guys are talking about this and, and figuring it out and spitballing it. Ultimately, if it happens, it's gonna be just one of the most bizarre developments, I think, in NFL history. Certainly one of the most bizarre in Broncos history. And it will be interesting to see how the actual team, the players in the locker room, uh, would respond. Obviously I think most fans, the fan base itself, wouldn't necessarily welcome Osweiler back with open arms. But what about the players? How do the players view Brock Osweiler at this point? Obviously, they probably see him as someone they believe made a big mistake in choosing to go to Houston. I know at the time there were some, you know, some hurt feelings in, in amongst some players in the locker room that Osweiler chose on the heels of winning a Super Bowl championship to go to Houston. You know, he chose not to go to the White House with his team to meet the president and celebrate the world championship. So, you know, there's there's some strained relationships, I would imagine, in that locker room. But when the Broncos beat the Texans last year in Week 7, after the game, Osweiler was hugging it up with several guys at midfield. So I don't think that the team itself would be that opposed to the idea of Osweiler coming back. In fact, the sources in Mike Kliss's report are player-based. He actually, Kliss, went on to publish a full written article on this being a possibility, the Broncos reuniting with Osweiler. So he's probably got a little bit more knowledge of the situation than just the players. But, you know, again, I'm not really sure 100% at this point how I feel about it. I just don't think it would be the worst thing. It's going to take me some time to kind of wrap my head around the ramifications and what would it mean, uh, especially just for the quarterback room. You know, Trevor Simeon, just fought for six months to be the starting quarterback. In comes Osweiler. It just, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. When Will and I get together tomorrow, maybe we'll have more news on on the subject, but it'll give me a little bit more time to kind of marinate on these themes and and the storylines and come back to you with maybe a little bit more cogent train of thought as far as how I really feel about the prospect of Brock Osweiler returning to the Denver Broncos. So we'll, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Now, Finally, let's get to the other news of the day. T.J. Ward, of course, ultimately released by the Denver Broncos. And we've been preparing for this eventuality since Tuesday. Nick, of course, sat down and and, uh, busted out a solo episode, kind of talking about the pros and cons about T.J. Ward possibly being traded or released. Obviously, he was released. Even though we've been waiting five days for this possibility, doesn't make it necessarily any easier. 
TJ Ward, of course, his $4.5 million base salary is now erased off Denver's books. He becomes an unrestricted free agent. I've heard that there's been interest from Carolina. I've heard that the Los Angeles Rams, of course, have interest in him, which would make sense because of Wade Phillips. And you go back and you look at Ward's impact as a Bronco and what he really meant to the team as an emotional leader. I mean, this is one of the three defensive studs that John Elway signed in the wake of that disappointing loss to the Seahawks in Super Bowl 48. Ward was brought in along with Aqib Tlaib and Demarcus Ware, and he went on in his first two seasons in Denver to go to the Pro Bowl. Obviously, he was instrumental in the Broncos' Super Bowl run in 2015. Last year, we saw him continue his dominance in the box as far as a presence close to the line of scrimmage, but... He wasn't as effective in coverage, and that's an area, of course, in which I think Justin Simmons is poised to improve Denver as a defense. But all in, this is a guy that the Broncos just released that's simply an emotional leader or was in the locker room. And just like this this weird possible scenario with Brock Osweiler, the Broncos are choosing these tumultuous decisions or making these tumultuous decisions on the doorstep of the regular season. And I understand that, you know, Ward has been dealing with a lingering hamstring issue, but I wonder if this was really worth it. Was it really worth the Broncos saving $4.5 million on the salary cap this year? And I understand it. I mean, they have to prepare for the future. They can roll that money over into next year if they don't use it because you got guys like Matt Paradis. It's going to be a restricted free agent next year. His salary, no matter which way you cut it, is going to go up. Uh, if the Broncos keep him, you got Brandon McManus that's going to need to get paid. You've got Bradley Roby eventually. Of course, he's under contract next year for his fifth year. Uh, but, I mean, these you got several guys on the cusp here that are looking to get paid. The Broncos need to free it up. It's a young man's game. You look at T.J. Ward. He's going to be 31 this year. So he's you understand that the Broncos, they've invested heavily in the safety position over the last couple of years. Two draft picks. I mean, they brought in a couple of very impressive undrafted rookie safeties, including Jamal Carter. So they're they're poised to handle Ward moving on, I think, from a, from a performance on the field and a depth issue very well. But here's what John Elway said uh, in terms of the difficulty in making this decision and moving on from T.J. Ward in a statement released by the team. He said, quote, This was a difficult decision to part ways with T.J. Ward after everything he's done for our football team. He was a respected teammate whose attitude and physical mindset played a big part in our success, especially during our Super Bowl run. We thank TJ for his contributions as a Bronco and wish him nothing but the best in the future. Close quote. So you look at his contributions in three years as a Bronco. Ward started 41 regular season games as well as four playoff games. He totaled 222 tackles, 179 of which were solo, five sacks, three interceptions, 19 passes defense, forced five fumbles, and recovered two. That's just in the regular season. In the postseason, Ward contributed 19 more tackles, 11 solo, an interception, three passes defensed, and one fumbled recovery. So he's a very dynamic player, very impactful player for the Broncos. The leadership aspect that he brought, keeping that back end of that defense together, is going to be felt. There's no getting around it. He's going to leave a vacuum in that regard, and it's going to be up to other guys like Aqib Tlaib, Darian Stewart, Chris Harris, and even guys like Brandon Marshall and Von Miller to fill the gap. You look at the response that Ward's teammates on Twitter, you got guys like Shaq Barrett responding, CJ Anderson. I mean, nobody from a player perspective is happy in this. He was TJ Ward, a beloved player in that locker room, but football is a business. The NFL, you know, it's, it's dollars and cents. And at this time, after spending more than the last month injured with a hamstring, 
And having guys like Justin Simmons, who has played very well as a starter in the preseason next to Darian Stewart, poised to take that next step in year two, it just, the Broncos made a, a football decision, and that's it. That's the end. Now, there's still a very slim chance the Broncos and Ward could reconcile, but I wouldn't expect it to happen at this point. I mean, Spot Track put his market value at somewhere around $7 bucks right now, and the Broncos weren't willing to pay him 4 So why would he come back with only a few years left of football in his future? Why would he come back for anything less than what the market would pay him? So don't hold your breath on him returning. I'm pretty sure this means the end of Ward in Denver. He was a phenomenal player and somebody who I think will go down as one of the all-time great safeties in Broncos history. Now, this means, of course, that uh, undrafted rookie safety Jamal Carter has probably made the final 53-man roster, so happy for him. And he's a guy who could step in and play that hybrid linebacker role that we saw T.J. Ward do so often in the big nickel packages where you bring in Justin Simmons and Darian Stewart as the back-end safeties, slip Jamal Carter or Will Parks, in to play that hybrid linebacker role, I think the Broncos will continue to move forward and execute at a high level. Again, my biggest concern comes back to leadership, and when things go sideways, who's going to be the people, who are going to be the guys who step up and keep everybody accountable, keep everybody on track, keep everybody positive, uh, positive you know? So it's unfortunate, but again, you know, you, you, you realize in the NFL these things happen. So we wish TJ Ward happy trails, nothing but the best, as well as Kyle Sloter, who's probably going to end up back on the practice squad. But now that's all the time we have for today. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find myself in the Twitterverse, at Chad and Jensen, and my partner, Will Keys at WillKeys6. Will and I will get together tomorrow. This is being tracked Saturday. Will and I will get together on Sunday to go through the final 53-man roster with a fine-toothed comb. And, of course, any new developments on the Osweiler front. Don't forget to subscribe, y'all. For Will, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you soon. Mile High Huddle. When you rely on the Internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed compatible X by gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Have you tried the Name Your Price tool yet? It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to find a rate that works for you. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive. Get your quote today at Progressive.com and see why four out of five new auto customers recommend Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.